0: She's not saying it's bad. She's saying she thinks it's like somebody else's ID. This is my ID. She's not saying I called and the numbers don't work. Like everything worked. How do you account for the fact that this woman was wrong? It was her. You're wrong. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm here with Colby, and we're going to go over viewer questions, right? your question subscriber questions subscriber questions questions, right it's all the same okay all right so we're gonna uh we picked or colby's gonna go through some of those like what 40 50 what'd you say
1: there's 55 comments so we're not gonna be able to get all of them i'm gonna go
0: through and and choose the best and
1: obviously you know if this does well we'll do it again i'd probably like to do it with you and zach you know obviously a recurring guest so yeah yeah um so if you have any questions you know we'll, we'll do another similar post on the community page for for zach and uh Matt, and go from there. So, uh, okay, first question. You probably have to add some backstory to this. Would you ever remake the papier-mâché statue that was left in the living room of the house to taunt the owner? What or who the statue was made of?
0: First of all, I did not taunt the owner. That, like, That's the whole thing. So, <clears throat> all right. So here's what happened is I had... Actually, I, I was on the run, and I needed we needed money, so we went to Atlanta, and... We rented a house from a guy named uh, Michael Shanahan. Well, I mean, obviously, full, crime's not a full-time job. You know what I'm saying? Like fraud. So I, I went and I satisfied I, I satisfied the mortgage on his house. I assumed his identity. I created a false credit profile, made a fake ID, opened up a bunch of bank accounts uh, in his name. Also, Becky opened up a bunch also, and we opened up some in other false identities, names. And then I refinanced his house and borrowed like $400,000, dumped the money in the bank, and then pulled the money out of the banks. And then we took off. But in the meantime, Atlanta, Fulton County's public records was so far behind, we basically had to wait for the satisfaction to show up in public records. So that was a couple months. So we basically hung out, went on vacations, went jogging, worked out, Rock climbing. We're doing anything to to pass the time. Yeah. One of the things I did obviously was I I made a, a paper mache statue. The paper mache statue was of a guy on his knees, like screaming like this, right? But that that's kind of just based on like the on Edward Munch's The Scream, and it's just like a man in agony. Had nothing to do with Michael Shanahan. Like I'm not thinking that Michael Shanahan's in agony or that. At the time, I'm really only thinking. That when this whole thing comes down And he figures it out He's gonna have to make a few phone calls To get it fixed It's obvious that I've stolen his identity I'm on the run Like it's this isn't To me I was telling myself Whether it's true or not I was telling myself This is an easy fix for him yeah. So I'm not thinking of him as an agony You know I'm not thinking that But I did make the paper mache statue And I left it in the garage but We left it in the garage It wouldn't fit into the back Like we had so much crap In our little minivan thing it would not fit into the back of it without being crushed we left the paper mache statue we left the bed and we left the back seat of the minivan that we were driving it was actually a honda element i don't know if you call it a minivan more like an suv a shitty fu's suv so we took the the back seat out just so we could fill it up i couldn't fit it in there but when 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 there was an article that was written in, the, um, in Fortune magazine about me, they said that Michael Shanahan said that when he came home and figured out everything was going on and he went into the house that I had left the statue in the middle of the living room to taunt him. <laughs> he also said that I, we trashed the house. I don't know how we trashed the house. We lived in the bedroom upstairs. We had no furniture except for bedroom furniture, which really was just like I think two nightstands and a bed. We watched TV all the time. We didn't trash the place. It's not like we were having parties. We didn't we didn't live in anywhere but the upstairs bedroom. Like we didn't trash it. We cleaned the place out. We actually had the carpets steam cleaned before we left. Yeah. I mean, so but I get it, you know, you're a victim, you're angry, you're ready to say anything and, you know, and look, I'm not saying what I did was right. It was a dickhead thing to do. I mean, I'm a scumbag. I totally fucking shouldn't have done what I did, but I didn't taunt him. I wasn't trying to taunt him. Like it's bad enough what I did. What I did is bad enough. Do we have to really add to it? <laughs> yeah. You know, so anyway, would I do redo the statue? Absolutely. I've already bought the material for the statue, which is um I bought uh it's chicken wire. You can buy it at Home Depot. So I bought chicken wire. I actually have Uh, Actually, the chicken wire is in that is is in that closet. So I bought chicken wire and I bought um, it's a wallpaper glue. And all I need is newspaper or any kind of paper. Really, you just dip it. I just haven't had a chance to kind of do that. To be honest, it would be really cool to. I never really I never finished it. I started. I've never finished it. I've started that statue twice, by the way, and both times never been able to finish it.
1: And what's your plan? Are you gonna keep it, or are you gonna are you gonna sell it? I
0: don't it? know. That's I should f- do it. Fit, like I don't know what I would even. How much time would I have into that? I mean, I'd have a lot of time, but they're super fun to to make those. Like yeah. I could make one and sell it, or or. I don't yeah. want to give it. I'm not. I can't afford to give it away. Not yet. yeah yeah, that would be that would be cool
1: yeah um well it kind of leads into i know there's a question in here um kind of leads into the same same topic is merchandise um do you have your own merchandise this is the question oh yeah 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 we have our own store and we're talking about even revamping it you know doing some
0: right you were saying to try and put like the the paintings yeah so the like, yeah, if it. you're
1: watching this video, you look underneath, it should be like your a little Matt Cox store with t-shirts and like, you know, whatever. But yeah, I was actually trying to look at some different websites to get some of the, the paintings, the books, merchandise, everything all in one, you know, one spot where you can knock it out. Cause if someone Cause orders
0: T-SPAN. Yeah. What we're using so, now.
1: Yeah. So there's like, there's multiple websites that are supported on YouTube. So I'm trying to do a little research on that. Now I have a question. I guess when. People order your book off Amazon. Are you doing the shipping or or someone else? Yeah, it's already. No,
0: people always think that I'm not doing the shipping. The only way I do the shipping is if you contact me and say, "Hey, I want a signed copy." Yeah. People used to buy them and mail them to me, and then I would sign it and mail it back. Yeah. So I just ordered a bunch of books, and now if somebody says, "Hey, I want to buy an autographed copy," then I just have them PayPal me like forty bucks. Yeah. You can, the book why. First of all It's like It's like seven or eight bucks Just to mail it to you yeah. So it's not like I'm making any money I'm making like ten bucks yeah. Really I've got to Drive down there I have to sign it I have to drive down I have to drive back So whatever yeah. So I sign it And then I mail it to you You know Because the books are like Nineteen bucks anyway They're like twenty three dollars If you mail them on Amazon So there's really no profit in it But it's like It's like That's, that's like a huge That's like a privilege You know what I'm saying? That's like a huge compliment. Can I get a signed copy of your book? So me two or three years ago being in prison, having, you know, I didn't have my book published. Like laying in my bunk in prison three years ago, I never once Mm -hmm. in all of those little fantasies while you're trying to go to bed and you're running through all the scenarios in your head, like how good things could get. Having people ask me for a signed copy of my book i didn't even have an aspiration like that like that was so like well that's never gonna happen like didn't even enter my mind so for someone to ask me to do that like that's like a huge compliment like i'm i'm ready to like ask me i'll sign it and send it to you sign whatever
1: okay um out of all the characters you met in prison who was the most memorable
0: and why okay uh one more thing on the book thing yeah but you have to stay on me like, if I don't respond, it, it, I'm just overwhelmed with comments, with emails, with everything. So it's not that I'm trying to be a jerk. It's that I am overwhelmed. And I, the last thing I would ever do is get mad at somebody for, like, hammering me. Like, hey, bro, I sent you an email. Don't forget this. Like, you're doing me a favor. I wouldn't be offended. If you have sent me an email and I didn't respond, it's only because I'm overwhelmed. Hit me up again. You're doing me a favor. So don't let me forget. All right. So anyway, who was the most memorable character? Yeah. I mean, it would be... I would love to say uh, John Boziak, but to be honest, the most unique and amazing character that I met would have to be Frank Amadeo. It was, you know, and Frank Amadeo, anybody, I wrote a book about him. It's called It's Insanity. He's a guy that was, since he's been in his early teens, he says earlier than that, he's always believed that God is telling him he's preordained to be in his word, emperor of the world. That's his, like who says emperor, but, and and he's, he's a rap. It's what's he's called. He's a rapid cycling bipolar, like an access five rapid cycling bipolar with features of schizophrenia. I think that's the actual diagnosis. And so he's constantly cycling up and down, up and down, up and down. Like he doesn't go like two hours, you know, up. It's, it's up, up, down. His emotions are constantly like this. And in those in those manic moments, he believes that God is telling him he's going to be emperor of the world, that he's going to conquer the entire world. Now, he has a, a plan on how to do it. It's called Capital Genesis, and he's plan, his plan is to do it either he's trying to do it. His goal was to do it through economics. But if it needs to become militarized, he's willing to go that route. So, I, anyway, I wrote a whole book about it. You can listen to the synopsis on the website. You can read the synopsis on, I'm sorry, you can listen to the synopsis on you, on the YouTube channel. Read it if you want to read it. And it's got pictures of Frank and everything on, on my website. Um, but I also have a book, a full-length book on Amazon and an audible, the Audible is also on uh, on Amazon. Um, yeah, listen. There's a there's a there's a there's a there's a documentary about him. He tried to take over the Congo. You, you wouldn't even believe how insane this guy is. And yet, he also is the guy that was wor- uh, worked as my lawyer in prison and got me 12 years off my sentence. The guy is brilliant. Hmm. Look, out of all the criminals I've ever met, I've never actually met somebody who he was actively committing crime to. And his ultimate goal was to take over the world. Like, that's a James Bond villain. Yeah, <laughs> That's not a normal thing. Nobody says that. Who says that? You've never heard that. Other than James yeah. Bond or, or Cobra from G.I. Joe. Like, who wants to take over the world? Who even thinks that's possible? Yeah, and what, what was he locked up for? Oh, um, uh, tax fraud. He stole $180 million from the federal government and used it to start putting to get buy-up companies... In order to get this large conglomerate of companies, and also, he owned a company that was building military satellites. Uh, that uh, that was a, um, a private military contractor. He's trying to take over like the Congo. He's listen. It's it's insane. You have to read the it's book. But, yeah, it's insanity. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, next question. So. Uh... What is the funniest thing that ever happened to you, that, or that you experienced, and it's not in prison, but I guess in general,
0: or it could be prison. Um, somebody asked me that the other day. It, well, they asked me that a long time ago, uh, and I've I think I've said this a few times. It's, it's the uh, now that's the most that's just the most humiliating thing I've ever, ever heard of. It is uh, the funniest thing.
1: Yeah, I guess there's a. It's kind of an odd it, question. It, it's not an odd it, question, but I'm it's. Just, to, there's so many. It's not funny. that one. Yeah, there's, there's not so many.
0: one specific. I mean, there's so many funny things. Um,
1: I, I got one. How about we just did a podcast on him? Um, I don't know if that's going to be posted before or after. Oh, that, yeah, but yeah. The one you just did with Zach is about two hours of, of pure entertainment. Oh, yeah, it's so, just
0: hilarious. Uh,
1: we'll put the card up there and the link in the description. You can check that one out.
0: I, I do have the, the most. Just like kind of like the worst that somebody asked me one time, what's the worst thing that happened? And that was I was in the library, the medium. I should have told this on that. Did I ever tell
1: you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, with the guy, the
0: guy, Mm -hmm. um, with a guy, uh, this big, big, massive guy, all muscled up. He'd been locked up, who knows how long, but I think probably had twenty or thirty, or probably had a life sentence or something. I was sitting in the library, and there's maybe whatever six or seven other guys, and we're in the library. And there was a, a gay guy, you know, like a punk, in the library, and he's sitting there, you know, whatever, five ten, th- real thin, had long braids, and he's sitting there like looking at like a glamour magazine or something. Arm, I mean, uh, legs crossed. I mean, really, honestly, like an amazing looking tranny like like you like could fool you like looks like a woman yeah turning the pages looking at a magazine and this big black guy comes walking in uh, you know a, a sugar daddy or a, no, a sugar daddy with the war daddy so he comes walking in and like everybody in the everybody in the everybody in the library like like looks up like because you can tell this guy's never been in the library he comes walking over to the punk and goes baby can i talk to you and it was like, when you heard that, you were like, what, what What? just happened? What did he say? Did he just say baby? Like, baby, baby, can I talk to you? And the punk's turning the pages. And he goes, baby, please. Baby, please. And I remember being humiliated for this guy. I was just like, this is horrible. And the guy goes like, baby, can I talk to you outside? Please, please. And she, she goes, I don't like the way you talk to me in front of your friends he looks around and when he looks around we all go we all look down immediately and he's like baby please baby, please, gonna talk to you as i and so the punk gets up and goes to walk outside with him and he goes to put his hand on on you know his or her shoulder and she's ah, like that and he goes oh he goes, don't touch me oh, baby please I mean, but it was the worst thing i'd ever seen in my life it was so humiliating but so, yeah, anyway, that's probably the worst thing I've seen. Yeah. I don't know if it's funny, so it's also pretty funny.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um. Next one. Someone asked, "Uh, what's your next move? I guess. Yeah, I saw that one wise. too. Like, I, I don't mean, want... I think, I don't know, from you, like, I would think probably just, I mean, you get, I mean we, the pieces are in place. It's just making them better.
0: Yeah, it, it's really just yeah. patience, I think. At this yeah. point, I think it's just doing exactly what I'm doing, but being patient. I'm trying to put together a, a, a story on... You know the the chip guys. It's called the company, and it's these guys that were robbing chip manufacturers. I'd love to put that story together. I'm right now working with a company to try and do a true crime podcast. It's uh, with a company called a uh, um, little bit or a little everywhere productions. They do podcasts. They do um, they do the dream, which is a, a, po- a super popular podcast right now, and they they're they're working on a couple other podcasts and. We're putting together a podcast right now where it would be me being in prison, telling, you know, telling the stories that I've told, you know, just going over how I met guys, telling their story, doing interviews from the actual uh, the actual subjects, like the whole thing is going to be like a real. It's not like a a sit down YouTube podcast. Yeah, it's like a real heavily edited and and produced podcast. So that's something I'm going to do. And that will get me should get me some good exposure as far as the stories. And the hope is obviously those stories end up getting optioned and turned into series or that they have, they, they, they take on a life of their own, which is the goal. The other thing is obviously John Boziak. We're working on a, on a, um, on a documentary for him. You know, it, it all the stories are in flux right now. And I, I don't want to say too much, but yeah, I'm, I'm working on all these things. It's just being patience, being patient and kind of, you know, staying the course. A lot of it, you know, there's just, was it, uh, was it the, the uh, owner of uh, of um Amazon, uh, Bezos? Bezos yeah. yeah. I think he's got a, a quote that says, most overnight successes take about 10 years. Yeah. And that's yeah. the whole thing. It's like, look, I just started working. I have to stay the course. I spent several years in prison writing the stories. I got out. I'm doing the YouTube thing. I'm doing all the right things. But then it's just a matter of staying the course. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing.
1: Cool. Um, let's see. Um, what is one thing that you miss about your former life?
0: I mean, I miss the money. Yeah. I mean, listen, money... Like, the kinds of problems that I have right now is... Whoa! Hurricane. Hurricane. Hurricane warning. or... Oh, ah, not an Amber. Florida, yeah. Florida.
1: Something about that, yeah, so...
0: Got an Amber alert yesterday. Yeah,
1: same. So, for the
0: money, or... Yeah, I would say for the money because look like a, like the only the major p- problems that i have right now that you know they're not they do not gonna look at things the same way i used to look at them but you know look the only problems i have right now would easily be solved by money yeah you know so like you know us getting the right camera equipment i mean that that's a couple thousand dollars i don't have it like i don't have the two thousand dollars to buy the camera so what are we doing We're piecing together what we have, like we're used camera, used camera, borrowed camera, like, you know, everything, you know, used this, like everything is used or borrowed or actually, you know, or, or another podcast company, you know, said, Hey, you know, I've got some extra stuff. What do you need? I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take, you know, we're piecing everything together. If things would be easier if we had the money to buy the equipment and it would, it would obviously One, the quality would be better, but two, you know, it would, the time it takes to, to piece all this together to make what appears to be a professional podcast. Yeah. So money would solve that. Uh, Where do you do your podcast? You know, I, in my living room, I don't really, my one bedroom is essentially, it's really not a one bedroom. I basically live in my studio. I live in my studio. Like, I mean... I paint in my kitchen I paint on that wall And we have this studio It looks good Yeah Like you look on th- Here you think Man he's in a Professional studio And everything Listen these things Are on wheels Like I can wheel These
1: things away And Yeah that's That's one of the things I noticed when I first Started editing You are doing the vlogs In the kitchen And behind this wall Before I had the foam on it And I'm like Oh you know He's in this room He's in this room We come here And it's, you walk in the door And it's paintings And it's you know The rollable walls I, And you,
0: Absolutely Oh yeah. listen I can I can create an illusion Yeah. Ask Bank of America Yeah Um <laughs> But the the point is, is that, you know, money would solve all those problems. So obviously it's, it's money. Money would, would obviously make things easier, but listen, I'm, you know, but I'm, I'm thankful to just be out and be doing this stuff. And I'm thankful to be able to even pay my bills at this point. Like that's a huge triumph. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's one. Do you plan on doing a breakdown of the Wolf of Wall Street, the movie? Um, I haven't. Yeah. Like I, I haven't, like i I would, I wouldn't mind doing that. I would like to do that with, I'd like to do that with another guy. Like, you know who I'd love to do that with? I wrote a story called, um, I wrote a story called uh, Atonement with a guy named, uh, a a guy named, uh, um, Joseph Vitale. Mm -hmm. Like Vitale has a Wolf of Wall Street type story. Yeah. Like I've never worked in a phone room. I've never, or I've never traded stock. Like Vitali knows that story. Like he, he's lived that life. Yeah. So I mean, Vitali's had. I think he has has had like three Ferraris and two Lamborghinis. Mm-hmm. The fuck kind of mad money is that? Lives in like a three. Lived in three and a half million dollar house in, in like Palm in, in a, a Palm Beach. So, I would love to do a breakdown of that movie with Vitali. Yeah. That would be pretty cool like Boziak and I are planning on going to Las Vegas and I would like to, I'm excited about it. He doesn't seem excited. I would like to do a podcast with Boziak where we break down like oceans 11 in Las Vegas in the, you know what I'm saying? That would be cool to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would like to do that at some point, but you know, those, those videos that I did were heavily edited and, um, but yeah, I would, I would definitely, I'm, I'm, I think I'd say we're a month or two away from being at a point where we've got the right equipment and everything to make that process easier. Yeah. To where I could do a couple of videos like that.
1: Yeah. Okay, here's one. Um, This is an interesting one. So, assume you came across another scam, how much money and what percentage of getting away with it do you need in order to do it? I actually answered that yeah, guy. Yeah. I think
0: I said, he goes, "What? what's the chances that I thought I'd get caught or something? Yeah. When it was like, and I was like, two or three percent. Yeah. And, and the reason I think, so as far as coming across another scam, like to me... The only reason I even say that is probably if I wanted to pull off a scam, like I I already know of three or four scams that I could I could easily pull off where you don't even walk in a bank. Like you don't even have nowadays, you don't even have to walk in the bank. You do it all online. But the the likelihood that I would get caught, I would say two or three percent. And I say that not because I'm doubting my ability to pull it off, but it's the fly in the ointment. It's like you you cannot account for Random acts, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, what you know, wh- how you just can't. There's little things that happen. You just like I had a scam one time with uh, uh this this chick. Uh, her name was uh, Allison Arnold at the time. So, or, uh, her name was Allison Arnold. So, Allison had pretended to be a woman by the name of Rosita Perez, stolen her identity, pretended to be her, and Allison. Then we then rented a house satisfied the, the house or satisfied the mortgage on the house transferred the deed from her from the homeowner's name into uh, into the name Rosita Perez and then borrow, proceeded to borrow like three or four mortgages on the house everything's going smooth it's going good Allison went to one of the closings went off without a hitch got a check for $100,000 went to another closing and the woman at the closing looked at her and said Saw her ID and said, this doesn't look like you. And Allison went, that's me. She said, no, it doesn't look like you. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you the check. She goes, I'm, I'm going che- to make a few phone calls and I'll let you know if, everything, if everything's okay. I'll, you can come back and get the check. I'm sorry. Allison was like, that's crazy. The ID, by the way, was Allison. The picture was Allison. She's looking at a picture of Allison going, this doesn't look like you. How do you account for the fact that I have a picture of me on an ID or a picture of Allison on an ID that says Rosita Perez? She's not questioning the validity of the actual of the ID. She's not saying it's bad. She's saying she thinks it's like somebody else's ID. This is my ID. She's not saying I called and the numbers don't work like everything worked. How do you account for the fact that this woman was wrong? Yeah. It was her. You're wrong. Your fuck up blew my whole, blew a half a million dollar, a million dollar scam, blew it because you're wrong. How do I account for that? Yeah, And that's the problem. Most of the time when I've been grabbed or caught, it's because it was something I couldn't account for. I had a whole scam one time. I was bar- going to borrow a couple million dollars. I was had already borrowed $1.3 million. Just so happens that the title per- one of the banks sent the title person down two weeks too late. So they were supposed to go in this week, but they ended up going two or three weeks later. As a result, because some woman went on vacation. By the time she got back, she then ordered the, the title search. So when the abstractor went downtown, she saw that the other mortgages had, been cl- had already been closed and said, oh, my God, this is fraud, and called the police. How, how can I account for the fact that you're going on vacation? But that's not my fault. That's the problem. There are the little things you just can't account for. You can never say, oh, 100%, I'm getting away with it. Yeah. Really? You, you, must, you must be able to, to, to tell the future.
1: What's one thing that you would do differently if you were 22 years old?
0: I mean, if I was 22 years old now?
1: Yeah. Or if you could go back. To, yeah, 22 now. Yeah.
0: yeah. The problem is when you're 22, you're so impatient. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, to me, I would fix my credit. I'd have good credit. And people are like, oh, my credit's ruined. You don't know that your credit's ruined. You're, but trust me, your credit's not ruined forever. It will fall off. It will. You can, Look, I would get... If I had no credit, I would build my credit. I'd get three secured credit cards for $200 a piece. $200, $300, whatever. You can even get one credit card for like $300 and use that one credit card to open the other credit cards. Let's say you you can get one $300 credit card, pull out the entire $300. So you get a $300 secured credit card. You pull out the $300. You then go get another $200 credit card. You pull out that $200. You then go get another $300 credit card by pulling out the 200 plus the $100, the 300 that you'd pulled out originally, you pull out the extra hundred. Like you, so you basically use $300 to get two $300 credit cards and one 100 and you start making the payments. Look, if you have them all paid down below 30% within six months, you're going to have over 750 credit scores. I know because I did it when I was in the halfway house. So I would build my credit. I would get a job. I would save as much as I possibly can. I would pay my rent with a check and in a, six months to a year, I would turn around and I would go buy a house. I would buy a single family house. I'd move into one room and I'd rent out the other two rooms. I'd turn the living room, din- dining room into bedrooms and I would rent those out. And, in, and I'd start making, now I'm living absolutely rent free. I'm actually making money now. And what would I do? As soon as possible, I'd go, as soon as I possibly could, wait maybe six months and have another down payment. I'd buy another house and I'd move in that house. And I'd do the same thing again and now I'd rent out my old room. And I would just do that like I mean that if I had nothing, that's what I do. Because in 3 years, you'd have 5 of these things. And each one would be making 1500 bucks, and now you'd be making 75 you'd be making $7,500 a month. In in 2 years. In 2 years time, you could be 2 to 3 years times you could be making over $7,000 a month. Because yeah. you're making about $1,500 a month profit on each one of those houses. And that's a, that that's something that that's a joke like that's easy to do. You, you can do that just by following a very simple formula. The problem is you're 22 and you have to be patient and you have to be told that you're not going to be making a hundred thousand dollars a year for three years. And it's going to require you to sacrifice for three years. And most 22 year olds go, man, I, I want you to just be able to tell me something that something quick so I can be making that kind of money in two months. And well, that doesn't exist. Yeah, it takes it's a three year process. So if you did that and you worked at that and you followed that basic formula, you'd be making $7,000, $7,500 in three years. And guess what? If you just kept doing the process. Because what happens after that, if you keep saving, it, it just grows even faster and faster. You want to be five years and you're making $20,000 a month, maybe 25. OK, do that for five years. Then you can go buy a $100,000 Mercedes. You You can go buy your half a million dollar condo. You know, then you can kick back. It's five years. It's nothing. Yeah. But most people, they don't want to sacrifice that. They don't want to do that. So that's what I would do. If I started from nothing at 22 years old, that's what I'd do.
1: What interview have you always wanted to do?
0: Well, I I answered this one too in the the comment section. I said, uh, uh, Jordan Belfort. I said, I'd like to interview Jordan Belfort.
1: Yeah. I I know when we first talked and I started watching some of your podcasts, the first two people that popped in my head was Jordan Belfort and Frank Abagnale. Yeah. both those guys you know, are similar and like they just have a way of talking or telling a story that you could just listen to, you know, for me, me personally, like I'm not interested in anything crime, but I've listened to hours and hours of your stuff just because it's just interesting, you know? And I think, I think you have that like type of personality that yeah, I people hear listen that from people. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, the, thing, the only problem with, with Frank Abagnale is, is, that at this point he's, you know, he's in his like seventies, yeah you know? So, you know, and I feel like I know his story, but I don't know. I've been wrong on one or two things. Like I, you know, I, the problem is I read his book Mm -hmm. and then I read his second book, but then apparently he did some interview with the FBI where he told like a different, slightly different version of his story. Yeah. Which was odd. But anyway, it was like little things that happened after he got out of prison. There was uh, it was straight. And then this guy told me uh, in the comment section that said, Abagnale had said that like the FBI got him out of prison, just like in the movie. But if you read, his, you know, to work on, to do stuff for them, to go undercover, to do this, to do that. But in his book, that's not what it says. Yeah. Like in the in the second book, it says he did all of his time. He got turned down for parole twice. The third time they let him out. Like, I mean, it's like, like he, then he started teaching these classes and start with the local cops. And then he taught, he taught them at uh, classes to how to detect fraud at banks. And then he started going, started building up a, a, a resume. In, in those two books, which it pretty much covers his whole life, those the two books. Which one is of course Catch Me If You Can and the second one is the art of the art of the con. Um, no Art, art of the Art of the Steel or Art of the Con. Anyway, yeah, he, but then he did some thing that's on YouTube where he talks about, yeah, I worked for the FBI, I did this, I did that. But that wasn't in either of the books. So maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe his story is there is stuff I don't know.
1: Yeah all right let's see let me go through some some of that screenshot and make sure we got them all okay have you ever considered to migrating to other countries maybe more specifically like when you're on the road yeah when i was on the run yeah Yeah.
0: i I definitely did like one i had thought about well one i thought about going to mexico you know of course but the problem with going to mexico is you know my fear was you show up with a couple million dollars in mexico like the cops will take it away from you It's not like yeah. you can call somebody First of all, I can't call anybody Secondly, you know, it's You know, it, it's not Like it's an extremely violent um, uh, Country, you know And I'm on the run I, I What am I going to do? Now there are parts of Mexico I now know I didn't know at the time But I now realize there are parts of Mexico That I could have gone That are basically almost all retired Americans mm-hmm. Like I probably could have gone there But I didn't realize that I didn't know that uh, my plan was to go to Australia because Australia at that time, if you showed up at Str- Australia, went to Australia with like a hundred thousand dollars and a business plan, you could go to my go to Australia. You could become a permanent resident alien, and um, and they would allow you to buy real estate, open a business. You weren't allowed to work in Australia. Like you can't take an Australian's job. You can't. Work there. But you can open a business and hire Aussies. Yeah. So, and the reason I like that is that out of all the places, you you become a permanent resident alien, but they don't, they don't run your fingerprints. Mm -hmm. Like, you show up there, you're allowed to do everything, you can't vote in there, you can't vote. Yeah. But you can do all the stuff that I wanted to do, and you were outside of, you know, the United States. Yeah. And so I thought about that and and we had looked at other places uh becky and i looked at other i'm sorry sorry um the chick i was with well actually becky and i looked too but so did um amanda and i we were looking to try and get out of the united states i wasn't initially but as things got that as the heat got turned up then i started thinking i'm gonna have to leave like i need to leave and uh so yeah i looked at a lot of different places like but yeah, it was basically Australia was yeah. probably my best bet. Any any reason why you didn't? Yeah, I, the Secret Service arrested me. Yeah, so, so they, they, they got to you before you could put a a real uh, dampener on my yeah. plans. And keep yeah. in mind, I'm sho- I'm not showing up there as Matt Cox. I'm yeah. showing up there at, in a fu- in a in a stolen identity from a homeless person, right? So I'm going there with a passport, all my documents, everything from some guy that lives under a bridge, like you know, in Nebraska. Like I'm. I'm going to be good, you know, but I was at that point, we were trying to get money out of the banks and we were refinancing property. And we were pulling out a bunch of money and, you know, we were in the middle of the plan when I got arrested.
1: Yeah. Well, what's the hardest thing that you've had, you've ever experienced? The
0: hardest thing I've ever, wait, wait.
1: The hardest thing you've ever experienced, gone through. It could be, I don't know, it well, could be a five-year period. It could be, like, a,
0: the one day. I mean, like, other than going to prison? Yeah.
1: If, if prison's I mean,
0: number one, yeah. I would say going to prison's number yeah. one, right? You know, the hardest thing, you know, I would say... So, when the FBI, you know, I want to say, you know... And I, and this is actually the appropriate thing to say. Yeah. Leaving my family and my friends when, you know, when I took off on the run. Yeah. But... And that was hard, but by the time that happened, it it's not like it happened in a day and I didn't know it was coming. Yeah. Like, I kind of knew things were breaking down. And so I had months and months to kind of prepare myself that if they show up and I get the heads up, I'm leaving. So i I knew for months and months I had kind of prepared myself to do that so that the appropriate thing would be able to say oh well when the FBI well when I found out the FBI was going to come arrest me and you know I took off that was the hardest thing but the truth is I was kind of prepared for that what I wasn't prepared for was getting caught yeah like when I got caught it came it was so out of left field that you know we're talking about within minutes you're in handcuffs in a chair surrounded by secret service agents Mm -hmm. I mean so the, I just went completely numb that and then when I got 26 years like when I went into the courtroom to get my sentence like 26 years that wasn't going to happen like like if you had asked me like what's the percentage you're going to get 26 years I was I would have said zero what do you mean zero I'm a white collar criminal I didn't hurt anybody I didn't nobody lost their home like the, the most any one victim lost was like 10 grand and that's only that, as, as far as an individual, because I only have like four actual individual victims, everything. There's like 50 banks and one guy lost like four grand. One guy lost like six. One guy lost like 10 or 11 grand, something like that. So it's like, it's next to nothing. So like you add all of this up, like nobody died. Nobody lost their house. Nobody, you know, it's, it's like, so you can't give me 20 26 years. That's not even possible i had no idea how the system worked so when i walked in that courtroom and i got 26 years like that was such a devastating blow and then of course going to prison that's no joke yeah even going to i went to the medium like i'm a white collar criminal in a medium like i'm totally unprepared for that
1: yeah and how how old were you when you got the 26 year sentence
0: 37 yeah i think it was 36 37 or 38 is that 37 when I got arrested? 37 when I got arrested, 38 when I actually got sentenced. Yeah. So I say 38. 38 years old, 26 years. You're going to be 60 years old when you get out. My out date, my original out date was 2030. Yeah. Hmm. That's a long time. Like, that. that's like, it's hard. It was hard to wrap my, like, I just went numb. It's hard to even wrap my head around that. Yeah. At the time. Like, you're just totally numb. I remember after, after leaving the... Leaving in the courtroom and walking down this long hallway that was actually the floors were white the hallway everything was white and i'm walking with this 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 the bailiff or the u.s. No, US marshal and i'm i'm handcuffed and i'm walking doing the little duck walk and he's walking he's chattering away so you're from tampa huh oh you, ever, you have a family there, so how long were you raised in Tampa, or did you just like motherfucker? I just got twenty six years. I'm not in a chatty mood. Yeah, but yeah, it was uh, it was <laughs> that was a hard day. That was a bad day. Going yeah. to prison was was rough. You know, yeah. All there's lots of there's no one thing that stands out.
1: Yeah, and I guess this kind of is follow up question that was actually asked that it just kind of sparked. Um, I, I guess if there's someone watching this for whatever reason, if they were to go to prison, like what's something that you'd tell them, like to give them a heads up or like what
0: to prepare yourself for. I think somebody asked me, somebody told me in the thing they said they were about to go to prison. Yeah. And, and I've had people ask me this before, like, honestly, like don't gamble, don't borrow anything, learn to do without. Yeah. So don't gamble, don't borrow anything. Um, obviously don't run up debts, uh, be respectful to everybody. Don't complain. Mm. Just first of all, nobody wants to be around you. Nobody wants to hear you complain. You know, and don't join in with the comp- people complaining. It's prison. It's supposed to be crap. Deal with it. Yeah. Um, you know, like be respectful and polite to everyone. Don't talk a lot. Don't talk about other people. Like it's it's not hard to keep yourself out of trouble by following a few simple rules that really people would it's funny. Cause it's, it's easy to fall into that complaining about everything. Yeah. It's easy to talk about, Oh yeah. Like I, what, 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 even if you're just to say, you know, Oh yeah. That guy's an asshole over there. Well, you don't, what are you doing? Like these guys are like, uh, it's like a, a bunch of old women. Like they're dying to talk about each other. Next thing you know, some guy that you're he's been locked up with that guy for five years. He's going to go and tell this guy who's going to tell that guy. Yeah, the guy over there, he's walking around telling everybody that you're an asshole. Now you got a problem. You know, there's no you're not suing other inmates like there's only one way to solve your problems. And that's violence. Like it's all that's their go to. move. If, if you know, look, if you know, if all you have in your arsenal is a hammer, pretty soon everything starts to look like a nail. You know, that's, that's all they have is violence. That's their way to remedy everything. So mm-hmm. don't put yourself in that situation. And, and look, you, if you do anything for two or three weeks straight and really push yourself, it'll become a habit and then that'll just be who you are. Yeah. And I always noticed guys from prison, like there's a guy who worked out at the, who was a trainer. There was a couple guys who were trainers at the gym when I was in the halfway house I worked at and literally like. My, the owner of the gym would complain about this person, complain about this one. They would always just go, <laughs> and they would just walk away, or they go, eh. they never, never joined in. And yeah. I remember telling him, "You ever know?" And he, I said, "You ever notice that Rolly never says anything? He never. He's like, yeah, yeah. Joey's like that too." He goes, "Yeah." I said, "That's that's prison. He's just not. That's just not who they are anymore. Before prison, they might have joined in. After, I'm not talking about anybody." Not saying anything, nothing. I'm not going to say anything to anybody. I wouldn't say to their face. Yeah, like if I say you're an asshole, or yeah, that guy's a dickhead. I'll tell him he's a dickhead. I'll tell him to his face. Like I don't, I don't care. But I'm not going to say something because if he comes back around, you better be prepared to say it.
1: Yeah. Now, how do you think? How do you think that changed you? Prison changed you, like personally, or you know, your habits or whatever.
0: I mean, I I think in in my case, it it definitely all of those things changed me. Yeah. You know, talking crap about people. Like, I was always talking crap. That guy's an idiot. That guy's this, that guy. And then I realized, look, you're just going to have to... Either you stop doing it or be prepared to say it. So I just stopped doing it. Yeah. So that, you know, for the most part, unless I was something that I was going to say to... That I would say about somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, and I also think that there's a, a huge amount of, in my case, self-reflection. Because when I first got locked up, it wasn't my fault. It, I got too much time. It's not my fault. They screwed me. They this, they that. And as you do more and more self-reflection... You know that introspection turn you turns, and you start to go. I just started to realize, if everybody's calling if if everybody's calling you an asshole, you're probably an asshole. You know, so it just that's what happens is you start to look at it, and I just started to see the person who I really was. And in some aspects, I tried to I've tried to alter that behavior, and in other aspects. I've just said, look, I can't seem to alter that behavior. So I need to try and make it work for me, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'd say that's like the narcissism. I'm trying to make it work for me, knowing it and changing the behavior is such a, a, a huge issue. Most of the time, if you know something about yourself, it's pretty easy to change it. Like, rec- like being an alcoholic, recognizing you're an alcoholic is like the first step, right? Like, and then I can work on changing it. Recognizing that I'm a narcissist is, still doesn't help me to the fa- uh, change the fact that I'm a narcissist. Yeah. That I'm really only concerned about myself. And also, but, but being, at least being reflective, at least looking at myself and knowing that, knowing that that's an asshole way to think and saying you're an asshole, like who, who tells, who says they're an asshole? Well, I, I can tell you right now, I, I'm an asshole. Yeah, I can tell you right now. Those are those are the things that you know. I hardly ever ask anybody about anybody about what's going on in their life. Yeah, you know, because I have very little concern about that. It's just a prick mentality. So somebody says, "Oh, you're a prick." You know, what am I going to say? I am. I know. It's 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 and it's it's not that I don't. It's not that I want to be that. So I mean, it's hard to change that behavior. So I think prison help me realize those things and try and work on some of them and others I need to just you just have to embrace Yeah.
1: now I guess another question just kind of pops in my head is like do you think that like, the prison system that we have like someone who gets locked up like do they have like a good opportunity to like maybe change themselves for the better while they're there or you think you know I,
0: I mean I, I think the cards are kind of stacked against them Oh, I mean the card it's, yeah. it's just stacked against it's yeah. stacked against you the, the point is you can certainly change yourself in prison. You can certainly work towards coming up with another career. You can definitely get your head, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and figure out what's really important to you what your real priorities are. Sticking with that is difficult, but if you're thinking that the prison is going to put you into some kind of a program, help retrain you, help get a job when you get like all those things sound good. And there are those programs that are there, but They're limited. Uh, They're extremely limited. It still takes a ton of work on your behalf. Like, you have to really want to try and change. It's just the, the system is just not designed to help you. It's designed to make things harder for you when you get out, you know, and that's horrible. But, you know, the thing is, you know, these guys ruin it, they ruin everything. The guys will, every time they would come out with some program in prison, these guys would go and they'd join the program. They'd immediately start to try and manipulate the program or change it or steal. Or if you gave them something, they'd admit, if you said, Hey, we're going to have a movie room, they immediately start to try and sell the stuff and do this. And you know, they're, they're they're criminals, So they, they tend to ruin any opportunities given to them, Yeah, which is horrible for the people that genuinely want to change. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just a.
1: It's, it's a, it's a whole nother world just from sitting here. I, from what I assume, like the, there's like a whole economy that's like going on. Like oh, in yeah. the prisons. It's Absolutely.
0: Like, yeah. Like they take away money and you can't survive without money. Like yeah. you, it's almost impossible to go to prison and survive on what they're giving you. Mm-hmm. So got, everybody comes up with a hustle. It's the same thing. Like, like on the website for like the Bureau of Prisons, like they'll tell you all about how they're, we help support, uh, and, and we help, um, uh, Inmates, you know, keep in contact with their family and do it's absolutely untrue. It's like, look what they're writing on the website, what they're preaching and what they're doing are two different things. Oh, there's all these programs and really like there's two programs. There's a backlog of three years, you know, and when you're done, you don't really get anything. You don't get a certificate. You're, there's nothing that you can get out and go to an employer and say, this is what I have. Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna show them some paper certificate. Hey, I passed the such and such program. They're gonna be like, and you want to work in the restaurant area? Yeah, but I have this restaurant certificate. It says I, can't, I'm, I know restaurants. They're like, yeah, okay, you can start, you know, uh, as a, as a, a busboy. Yeah, like it's not gonna, like they're not gonna say, wow, you can definitely ro- open a restaurant. You can definitely run a restaurant. That's not gonna happen.
1: Yeah. And would you say that's like the hardest thing from getting out is like just.
0: The restrictions. Oh yeah, the, yeah. It's, it's the recidivism rate is super high. It's like seventy percent or something, where guys go right back to prison in the first two or three years. Like the 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 worst is the first year that mm-hmm. that that whole getting acclimated. That's that's a major issue because there are so many things that are stacked against you. You, know, you don't even realize, like trying to get a one bedroom apartment. I was applying for one bedroom apartments. I was trying to get one that was around like eight hundred to a thousand dollars, and there are one bedroom apartments for. Eight hundred to thousand dollars in Florida, you can get them. You can't get them if you have a felony. So the as I as the as the market, you know, the available apartments were narrowing and narrowing. The the, the price kept going up and up and up. I had to get up to where I'm paying like fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars a month before I finally found a complex that said we will take someone with a felony, oh, as as a white collar felony. It's got to be over seven years old. Well, thank God I did. 12 and a half years you know what I'm <laughs> saying that just happens that it is over 7 years yeah. and then I had to apply and there's all these other things like you're not allowed to There's they have all these restrictions that just totally make it so difficult to rejoin society it's, it's, it's an issue like there's tons of issues it's yeah. a huge struggle yeah so but yeah
1: cool well that's all the questions that uh, everybody else asked so if you want to wrap it up we're good to yeah alright so yeah
0: this is it uh that w- um I don't even know what I say anyway uh it's it's uh hey if you like the video subscribe hit the bell turn on the notification if you're interested in in any asking any additional questions then leave additional questions and we'll get to those eventually yep and so this is Colby and this is Matt and you know that's it see ya